Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. You're probably doing better than me because I lost most of my notes last night. And uh, hey, I'm not freaking out. <laughs> but the funny thing is I ended up with 12 pages. <laughs> Don't worry, it was duplicates. I know Devin's cringing. I'm the only one on staff that writes out everything. But then I allow the Holy Spirit to use whatever he wants to use, and that's what we're going to do this morning, okay? How many of you are enjoying this series, The Art of Wrestling? Now, personally, it was kind of hard for me because I never liked wrestling. And um, my parents were both coaches, and all five of us kids were in sports. But wrestling, I could not get it. My dad took me to one wrestling match, and I just sat there thinking, what is the purpose, okay? Is this really, I know, and I'm married to someone who wrestled. Is it really a sport? Yeah, it is. And there are some real skills. And there are some skills as believers that we need when we wrestle with things. Um, this morning, Pastor Devin has asked me to speak about wrestling with loss and disappointment. I don't know why I get these heavy subjects. But I think part of it is because I'm well acquainted with loss and disappointment. And so this morning, we're going to talk openly and honestly about it because sometimes in the church, we just throw some trite phrases at it, even scripture. And I love the scriptures, but sometimes we have to be very honest about grief, uh, loss, disappointment, pain, you know? How do you wrestle with these emotions? Or, or should you be as a Christian? Should we ever feel anger and blame God? Oh, I can talk about that all morning. How much time do you guys have? But let's go ahead and start with prayer because I really, I'm just gonna allow God to just kind of uh, show me what's important for who is here today. And I want you to really lean in. You know, sometimes we come and, you know, we've had awesome worship. I love our worship. We have an awesome worship team. And we, we need to enter into this presence. And then when the word comes, we're re relaxed. But I want you to lean in. And not everything I say will pertain to you. Maybe you've never been mad at God, and that's great. That's good. That's where we should get. But I do want to talk about it because there's a large segment, not in this church only, but in the church, that they don't know how to deal with it. And so it takes them out. It takes them out. And it almost took me out. And so I guess that's why I'm standing here this morning. Yeah, well. <laughs> so maybe it's just a word that's going to pertain to you, or maybe something that I share out of my own experience. Or maybe it's for someone that God's going to bring into your world. 
and you're not going to give them religion. You're going to really be there, and you're going to be able to share in their pain. So, Father, I just thank you right now that you are able to handle our pain. You are able to take it. And not only that, you're willing. So, Father, this morning, help us. Help us to be open and honest and real with what we're going through or what we might encounter in the future. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. And I just thank you. If there's anyone here this morning that is dealing with loss and disappointment, that, Father God, that you would let them know that, number one, you love them and that you care about them and what they're going through, that they're never alone, and that you can be trusted. In the name of Jesus, amen. How many of you, and this is not a trick question, how many of you have ever dealt with any great loss or disappointment? Raise your hands. Wow. Okay, look around. That's a lot of you. You know, maybe it's something like you've lost that dream job that you, you know, always dreamed of, and then it was gone. Or maybe um, you had someone divorce you, leave you, someone you loved, and you didn't want it. Maybe, like me, you've prayed for a loved one, and that loved one didn't get healed. Maybe you've lost a loved one, and you just never have been able to get past that grief. As you see today, the truth is, all of us are going to experience loss and disappointment in some form of fashion in our life. And, um, you know, we don't get a free pass. There's no, you know, exemption. You know, when I think about Jesus, he's a man, he was a man who walked the earth, that the Bible said he was a man of sorrows, a man well acquainted with grief and suffering. And so I think to myself, if Jesus went through it, what makes us think, because we're Christians, that we're not going to go through it? And what I love is that we can see how Jesus dealt with it. Because God gives us a way to deal with it. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, in the church, sometimes we don't talk about this um, because, well, there's lots of reasons. But mainly, I believe we're afraid of being judged. We're afraid that if anyone knew we were wrestling with these kind of feelings, you know, blaming God, being angry, 
grieving longer than people think we should grieve, that we're not a good Christian. I mean, how can you be a Christian and love God and be angry at him? How many of you are married? Let me see. How many have uh, been mad at their spouse? Not the Jernigans. No, no. She's shaking her head and he's saying yes. <laughs> and if you, do, you know, if you don't have a spouse right now, maybe you have a child. And, you know, we've all been mad at our children, right? But do you stop loving them? No. You know, there's, uh, there's so much that we hide in church because we don't think it's acceptable and we want people to have this picture of us that we've got it together. But inside, you're silently suffering. It's tearing you apart and it could take you out. And I'm not talking just take you out of church. I mean, that's the first thing that happens. You know, I, I didn't want to be when, I, and I'll tell you my story. Some of you know it, but I didn't want to be around Christians. At church, at home. <laughs> I just was hurting so bad. But there's this lie that is a bad thing. And I will talk more about that because it can be a bad thing. But what's bad about it is if you deny it. If you act like um, on the outside, everything is great. When you deny it, you are just stuffing it in there, and pretty soon it's going to explode. And then you'll wonder why there's so much anger, why there's so much bitterness and resentment. And so this morning we're going to talk about how we're all going to wrestle with it, and we're going to be able to deal with it, and God has a way for us to do it. So this is my, the short version, because we only have uh, 30 minutes. Um, we have our son, Sean, who's 23. He's going to be 24 in April. And uh, when he was about a year old, he started having seizures. And he used to have 100 seizures a day. And he had some words, and he, he regressed, and he lost those words, and it still makes me cry today. It was like he was not uh, connecting with us anymore, and he was in his own little world. And before anyone could diagnose it, we knew it was autism. So, we started this journey we never planned. See, you can still have grief, even after so long. But God wants you to know that you can give that grief to him, and that's what I've done. So, forgive me for crying. I didn't know I was going to. 
but some things hurt you so deeply. And it's just good to let it out, even in front of everybody. <laughs> so we got going on this journey, and we went and we saw all types of professionals, and we even saw some non-professionals. <laughs> Thank you, because it could get ugly. So uh, we tried everything from uh, steroids to natural medicine and even some Benny Hinn services. We were very desperate. <laughs> Nothing against Benny Hinn, okay? <laughs> so we were on everyone's prayer chain. We prayed, we fasted, we declared the word, we confessed the word, and those are good things to do. I'm just telling you the journey that we were on. You know, we followed all the rules, okay? We were obedient to God. When he said, go here, we went there, moved, took the family. That's why we ended up in Arkansas, <laughs> trying to be obedient to God. So we did everything right. And I was just expecting and believing God for that miracle. And morning after morning, I'd go into Sean's room expecting him to say, hi, mom. That's all I wanted. Hi, mom. I did get it once. But you can imagine having your expectation so high and then morning, day and day after day, not seeing that expectation fulfill, fulfilled. And so, after several years, I came to a point, uh, it really was a breakdown of some sort, where I couldn't take it anymore. And like David in the Psalm 42 that Arnie read this morning, I was asking God, well, I take that back, I honestly was yelling at God, and I'm still here, okay? He didn't strike me down with lightning like I thought. I was actually yelling, saying, why did you let me down? You don't have to raise your hands, but I know there's some of you that have felt that and said that. Maybe you didn't verbalize it. You might not have even told your spouse, but inside, why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears? Where are you? Where are you? And you know, when we face tragedy or pain of any kind, our natural tendency, because we're flesh, we're human, okay, is we have to blame someone or something. You might not have been so uh, uh, brave enough to blame God at first, but when you uncover it all, deep down, that's where it is. You're blaming God. I started off being angry at people in general. <laughs> you know, don't ask me to pray for your hangnail. God doesn't care about hangnails. <laughs> you know, I'm not praying for headaches. Give me some miracles. I know better now. 
I blamed the doctors, the therapists. I even blamed my husband. I blamed myself. I blamed Sean, of all people, for having autism. The funny thing is I blamed my pastors, too. Isn't it funny how we get blamed for so many things? Pastor's wife called me to see how I was doing. I was so ready to hang up. That's how bad it was. And she was wonderful. So we can take it, too. We're used to it. And then I blamed the church because I felt like they weren't there for me. The enemy, see, he lies to you all the time. And isolation is where he wants you. So you can't hear the truth. If you don't go to church, you won't get encouraged. Or if you're not around believers, not just at church. But, you know, you won't get encouraged. You'll stay in, down in the dumps. Okay? Um, you won't hear something like in a song. Or you won't hear a word in the message that can bring some healing. And so isolation is what he likes to use. He isolates you from the community that could help in your healing. And so I bought into it. Nobody cares. Nobody knows what I'm going through. I'm down in the basement with my, you know, child because they can't handle them in the nursery. And our nursery can. <laughs> really. We've got an awesome nursery, don't we, Randa? We have an awesome nursery. It might be challenging, it might be hard, you still might have to go out and help them with your child. But it was to the point where I stopped going to church because I was angry. Disappointment that I didn't know how to release turned me bitter and angry. And for how many years? Three years. It was a new church, too. At first, they didn't know he had a wife. <laughs> and then he became like an elder or someone on the leadership team. I don't know. I didn't go to church that often. So <laughs> there's good news to all this, okay? So deep down inside, I was really angry at God. And sometimes we blame him because we feel like he let us down. You know, he's God, right? All-powerful. He's able to fix it, right? Or even prevent it. So we start with the why or the how or the where, where questions, you know. God, if you're so powerful, why didn't you prevent this from happening? If you're such a good God, how could you let it happen? If you love me, why don't you do something about this? Come on now. Okay. Am I talking to anyone? Okay. Where are you, God, when I needed you the most? Where were you when this happened? And I know that you could add a lot more to that list. Now, I'm not here to explain all that, but I do know this. We don't live in a perfect world. We live in a broken, sinful world where there is evil. You know, life doesn't always seem fair. Life 
has blessings and joy and happiness and peace, but it also has tragedy and pain and sorrow and disappointment. And the thing is that God does love us. He cares and he's with us. But because of choices made long ago, our world is broken. And God, in his love, has given man choices. Right? He's given you choices. And some people choose to love and to do good. And some people choose not to. And so bad things can happen that way because of our choices. Um, I really truly believe that God is well aware of all of our pain and all of what we go through. And even though you might not get the answer that you want when you want them, I know that he's able to get you through all of it and to bring some good out of it. Because we, we want heaven to come down on earth, but it isn't totally like that yet. But that's our goal and our hope as the church, that we can walk and start to see God manifesting his power here, his kingdom coming down. But... I still can't promise you that everything is going to be fixed. But what I can promise you is this pain inside. He can and will and wants to heal and make us whole. And whatever you're going through right now, that pain, he can turn it around for good. I really believe that. He's done that in my life. But what I want to show you in a little bit is that pain can actually bring you closer to God. And you can actually have a deeper walk of faith with God. And I know that seems like crazy, but it happened with me. And, you know... I look at the, you know, David, Psalm 42. He's the one that wrote that. And if you read the Psalms, you can see how eloquent David is about his anger, about his disappointment, about his loss. And, you know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. But David was a man who made bad choices. And because of those bad choices, some things happened in his life that caused him great loss and disappointment and even anger. But I like how he's real. So Psalm 13, verse 1. Psalm 13, verse 1 says, and this is David saying, How long, Lord, will you forget me? Don't we feel like we've been abandoned and that God's forgotten about us? How long will you hide your face from me? And it goes on to verse 2. 
How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's exactly how we feel, isn't it? Wrestling with the doubt and the fear is the hardest thing. Not knowing what is going to happen and come out of all of it. And then in 42, my favorite part in that psalm is sometimes I ask God, my rock solid God, why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears, harassed by the enemy? Why am I down in the dumps, dear soul? Why am I crying the blues? And so the thing I really like about it is his raw emotion and his realness, his honesty. He was not stuffing it. He was releasing it to God. There was no religion, no religiosity in his writings. Okay? Sometimes I think there's... Listen, there's all kinds of prayers, and sometimes you're going to be declaring the scriptures straight from the Bible. You know, sometimes, um, you know, your prayers are going to be um, positive and, and declaring the good things of God and all that, and that's great. But sometimes your prayers, which I'll talk about in a little bit, are not nice. It's okay. He can take it. He wants to take it. The question is, do you want to give it to him? Because who are we fooling anyway? Right? He's God. He knows. And I don't know why. Why do we have to say it? If he knows, right, do we have to say it? You have to say it. Because until you speak it out loud, it's not reality. It's, you, you just, it's something about saying it that makes it more real, that makes you face it, right? And so I think that the worst thing you can do if, if you find your play, uh, yourself in a place of blaming God and being angry at him, the worst thing you can do is pretend that you're not because it's a lie. And you will hinder your healing if you can't be truthful with yourself and with God. Um, sometimes in the church, and I talked about this a little bit, we wrestle with these bad feelings because we, we think they're not acceptable. And then we have all this guilt because we feel like we're not a good Christian. We shouldn't have these anger issues with God or other people. But the first point that I want to make is that you have to admit your feelings to God. You have to because it blocks you from receiving what he has for you because he doesn't want you to stay there. If you stay there, If you stay there, you will be a Christian. Maybe you won't. You might turn your back away from God. I've seen that happen a lot. But you'll come to church, 
and you will go through the motions, but all the while inside, there's no connection. You know you should go to church, so you go to church, but you would never, ever, ever be honest with anyone about it. And so you stay in it. And it gets worse and worse. And you know, the thing about it is, being angry at God didn't start with you and it's not gonna end with you. It started with Cain. He was the first. So you're not alone and it's okay. There was Abraham who was mad at God. Read the Bible. When you do, you will see real people with real problems and hurting and maybe even mad at God. You know, God never designed us to carry negative emotions. If we hold on to negative emotions, we're going to become very, very bitter. And you know, we all know people that have become bitter. We, we know people that they had a tragedy in their life and then that defined them. So do you know what I'm saying? Like me, wow, she had a call on her life, but then she had a child with autism and she never fully recovered from it. She never fully uh, loved or served the Lord like she once did. She never really fulfilled the purpose God had for her life because she was angry at God and at other people and she didn't know how to deal with it. That could have been my story. And for several years, it was my story. The thing about me is I had been saved from so much that there was no way I was going to backslide back into the world. I knew better than that. But do you know you can backslide in your heart toward God? You can just shut him out. And like my husband said, <laughs> you could just, you know, hey, you could be in the other room away from me and I'm okay with that. And that's how it was for a very long time for me. I no longer trusted him because he let me down. And so I think one of the things that really hurts is to see people that um, they didn't know how to deal with it. And so you don't see them anymore. And not only that, um, they've walked away from their faith. Because see, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to do this um, isolation thing where your um, pain, instead of God using it to make you stronger, he wants to use it to destroy you. Because like that's his job, right? To steal, kill, and to destroy. Um, I'll never forget, I had one of those um, Encounters with Jesus that um, some people would be uncomfortable with. And um, after seeing my son have a hundred seizures, 
um, I remember holding him, and there was a full moon, and maybe that's why I did it. I don't know. No, I was yelling at God, why are you doing this to him? Now, listen, I've been in the ministry forever. 30 years or whatever it's been, who knows? It's been forever. I know right theology, okay? And here I was in my pain blaming God for putting this on my son. And, that, and you know, we know that God's not the author of evil, all right? But when you're in pain, you start listening to the lies and you're hurting. And so you lash out. And I was like, why are you doing this? You know, put it on me and all this crazy stuff. And I mean, it was ugly. I don't know where the family was. <laughs> Nobody was there. Thank God. And you know, I'm crying over him. He's asleep. Um, and it was not pretty. Your faith walk with God is not always going to be nice and pretty with a pretty bow on it. Not everything's going to work out the way you want it to when you want it to. I know this sounds like bad news. <laughs> Good news is coming. But, oh my gosh, in the midst of my pain and anger at God... Wouldn't you know it? He was listening. He was there. We think that if we're angry at God, that he's not going to talk to us, that we're abandoned. We're, we're on our own. I'm telling you, he was there. And the reason I know he was there, because his presence came. What, what, what's that? His presence came with peace, overwhelming peace that I could not muster up. I wasn't even trying, but if I tried, I couldn't receive what he gave me that night. And that turned everything around. Did I have answers? No. But I knew it was okay, that I could trust him again. And I knew Sean was going to be okay. And that turned it around for me. And I actually went to church because my husband was preaching and I felt really bad. <laughs> Guilt can get you to church, I know. That's okay. Anyway, we can get you in here. And then we won't heap more on you, so that's a good thing. So he was preaching and he was preaching out of Revelation and, and he was talking about leaving your first love. See, that was the title of my story. I left my first love, and it wasn't him. It was God. I left God. He never left me. He never leaves you. You might feel like he's left the building, but he hasn't. Keep pouring your heart out. Keep being real and honest. Release it to him. Ask forgiveness for being angry. Let him flood your soul with his forgiveness and his healing. 
So I went to church, and he's talking about this, and back then he, he preached for a long time. I would have to, I felt like getting a sign that says, you can stop now. <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> and so um, he gave a, um, an altar call. And I never go to his altar calls because he's my husband. I can talk to him at home. But I didn't want to talk to my husband. I wanted to talk to God. And it was like, could you please be quiet? I have to run to the altar. And I was not one to do that kind of stuff. But I ran to the altar. And the whole, like all these ladies just surrounded me and just prayed over me and really just cried with me. Because I wasn't hearing what they were saying. I was feeling it. The comfort that God gives, he gives through other people. All right? And so that's what I was receiving. God's comfort through his people. And I eventually got off the floor and um, was never the same. I mean, it... People say it all the time, but I was never the same. And they knew it. And when I went back, uh, Devin and, and Pastor were um, years after we had left, we went back to the church to minister to them, and they couldn't believe the transfer transformation in me. It's like, who is this woman? Wow, look at what God has done. But it was a long process. It wasn't by osmosis, didn't happen overnight. Sometimes it's not a miracle. Sometimes it's a healing that you have to walk through. Why do we have to walk through it? I don't know, but I think one thing is what I walked through, what he brought me through, I'm able to share with other people. I'm able to give the comfort and the encouragement and that, you know, hey, God is with you. He will get you through this. He did it for me. And He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you. And, and you know what I really want to say about this is that when you share honestly with someone you can trust, man, there's healing that can come from that. Oh, it's James 5. You don't have to turn to it. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins. Don't get up here and do it. Don't tell everybody. God will lead you to who you confess your sin to and your hurts and your pain. You know, confess it to someone and, and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. That's a good prescription for, you know, healing of what, you know, we're going through. And one thing... I, I, you know, this church is a safe place. Oh, gosh, how did the time fly? <laughs> and um, we want it to stay a safe place. We want you to be able to come here and be real, be honest, because that's how healing comes, right? And if someone comes to you, can you just show them how much God loves them? No trite phrases or bad theology. God's will kind of thing. Okay? Um, don't show any kind of, of judgment. 
You don't know what it's like until you walk in their shoes, until you experience that kind of loss and heartache. You don't know. So no judgment. Because I only have a minute, I am going to skip all of this stuff. You know, I am going to skip all of it. Because bottom line is, what I learned through what I went through, like, you know, they talk about uh, the dark night of the soul. Well, that was for several years for me. I didn't think I was coming out of it. And I know a lot of people didn't think I was coming out of it. Um, but by the grace of God, and that people helped me, God helped me to release it, to finally come clean and admit it and allow his healing. His grace is so real and available to all of us. What I've learned is that he can be trusted. Even though my son is still autistic, my son, our son, has gone through lots of healings. He is being healed more and more. He has come so far. So we're not giving up. But even if he's not healed in this life, I will always trust God because I know who he is. And sometimes you won't know until you go through some kind of tragedy. And if you release it to him, you will find that your pain can be a catalyst for change. It could be the very thing that causes you to be able to walk into his purpose. There's never ever a time that pain is wasted in God's kingdom. There is always a purpose to your pain. If you let him have it, you can grow closer to him and stronger in faith through what you're going through if you allow him to use it and allow him to heal you trust in who you know him to be like david he says i remembered you remember his faithfulness remember his character he is a loving god a good god he's faithful he's compassionate he's long-suffering thank goodness he is good even when things aren't good. And when you can come to that place, doesn't matter what happens. You'll still feel the grief. You can still, you'll go through that process, but you will still be able to trust him for whatever happens. Would you stand up, please? <laughs>